For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and that means leading from the front and around the captain's armband is Patrick. Patrick, I hope all is well, my friend. And how have you been since we last spoke? Ah, uh, yeah, it's been a roller coaster of emotions, hasn't it? There's been ups and downs, highs and lows. We're going to get into all of it. But to be fair, I'm in a positive moment right now. So, yeah, happy to be on here with a few of my brothers. So, yeah, let's do it. Good to hear. Tonight, you're also joined by the man who has the Spurs logic handle on Twitter, that being Chris. Chris, you're making your first appearance of the season and you've picked a great week to come back on board. <laughs> I have, yeah. A lot has changed. Um, not been the greatest season so far, quite a few ups and downs, but I'm sure we'll get into dissecting that in a minute. We certainly will. And also joining us is the returning Ryan Madden. Ryan, thanks for joining us once more. How have you been since we last spoke? Yes, no problem, mate. Thanks for having me. It's a... Uh... The life of a Tottenham fan, it's always eventful, in it? So it's nice to come on a platform like this and actually speak about the club you love. Absolutely, and thanks for giving us your time this evening, Ryan. So before we chat all things Tottenham, let's get those social media bits out of the way. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Common You Spurs app, where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at COS underscore COM. We're on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If we're not on one, let me know. I'll get it sorted for you. And if you listen on Apple, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating. Right, let's get down to business. And that business is the most important of all. It's business that no longer sees us with a manager at the time of recording, I must add. So, Patrick, this piece of news has caught us all on the hop, if we're honest. Or, if you're being honest, after Saturday, was it a case of when, and not if, that man got the sack? Yeah, I feel really bad for Nuno because, um, you know, he's a nice guy, quite quite noble. I won't say charismatic, but just he gave you that just all around nice guy feeling. But with that being said, he was never the right appointment. And, you know, in the summer after the merry-go-round of is he or isn't he going to go for this manager, that manager, we were linked to everyone and their flipping granddad. And in the end, we didn't get, you know, none of the top targets that we well, that we wanted. Nuno came in. We all like, uh, you know, doesn't seem like the right fit, but we'll be happy to give it a go. And after 10 games, you can already see it was never really going to work out. The players didn't buy into him. And unfortunately, it was the time to go. It was the right time to go. The, I'll give Levy his credit. You know, I mean, I don't really give him any credit, but I'll give him his credit where he actually called it and got it done straight away. He didn't hang on or linger or let it go even worse. 10 games in, we've won five, lost five. But you can really see, I mean, we're winning games, scraping wins by a one-goal margin. And then when we are losing, we're getting battered by two or three, you know, uh, goal margins. Hence why, even though we've won five games, we're on a minus seven goal difference. So, unfortunately, it was the right time to go. You know, we're eighth in the league. We're third in our UCL group. Um, you know, unfortunately, I can't really justify um, backing Nuno or giving him much more time. So, right thing to do. Obviously, it's never nice to see a manager go, uh, especially a nice guy like Nuno. But to be fair, we're here to win games, man. It's not about, you know, we're not a charity. We're not here, you know, to to make friends in that sense. Uh, and as they say, nice guys finish last. We need a ruthless manager in. We need a world 
class manager. We need someone with caliber, quality, someone who's won things. And unfortunately, Nuno doesn't tick any of those boxes. Chris, what's been your take on how this has all panned out from start to finish? It's only been four months. Was it the wrong appointment from the start? Looking down the list, all those names being crossed off, was it almost the impossible job? Yeah, I, I agree with Patrick. I think he was never the right man for the job to begin with. I think he was viewed by the club as almost this stopgap kind of inoffensive manager that you know no one could be too disappointed with. He had Premier League experience. He'd, he'd obviously done well with Wolves um, in, in in both the league and getting him you know deep into the Europa League. And I think there was just a general feeling among fans that it was okay and that he would be fine and that we were kind of in this period where we, you know, the team is in a transition. Um, we all know that it does need additions quite quickly. Um, and also the, the fact that we're trying to get into a top four race. And, and when you look at the league, as it stands at the moment, it's, it's wide open and the fine margins could really really make all the difference as, as we kind of lurch at the, from one you know one win to a loss to another win to another loss and as Patrick said we're winning narrowly and then we're, we're getting pummeled you know 3-0 3-0 2-0 whatever it might be um, so the diff, the problem I had with Nuno really when he first came in was that I, I wanted to see him stamp a bit of authority onto the team and a bit of you know, this is the direction we're going in. This is the tactic we're going to use. He tried the 4-3-3, which I think a lot of fans early on realised that it wasn't going to work. But he stuck with it and tried to persevere with it. And it it kind of never really got going. He was trying to get Deli Alley back into the team. And, and a lot of people have already kind of given up on him as a player for Spurs. Um, probably myself included in that now. I just don't think he's at the level we need. But on the whole, when you look back at the four months, it does feel just like time has been wasted. Um, we could have gone for someone higher up the list if we'd been a little bit more ambitious and that could, that could come back and bite us at the end of the season when we look back at these points that have been dropped and, and the goal difference. Yeah, in a sense, it's like starting the season 10 matches later than everyone else. You've given everyone else a handicap. I don't know, we're eighth at the moment and there's only, what, two points behind West Ham, but it could be two points, which is the difference coming into the season. You just don't know, do you? So... Hopefully this swift change will rectify that situation depending on the appointment which is to follow and the names that hopefully join him in January. But Ryan, in terms of Nuno out, that was a hashtag that was quite prevalent early on, if we're honest. Did you ever go down that route? If you did, how early did you think, do you know what, this man is not for me? Uh, well, to be honest, uh, he wasn't for me when we first hired him. No. But you give him a chance, obviously, he's at the the club you support, the club you follow. So you've got to at least give him that chance. You know he's going to be there for as long as he's been. But uh, I was probably, I think as soon as the embarrassing defeat to Arsenal came, that's when I decided uh, it's it's best to cut ties now. He obviously is well documented that he was between 7th and 10th choice to become the manager of this club. So he wasn't exactly someone the board we're interested in. We'd just been turned down too many times by the names that we wanted. The only the only positive I give Nuno is he came into the club with a lot, a lot of media pressure early on. I think that's probably the only thing that he handled well. Obviously, the Harry Kane saga, 
and everything else like that. And obviously the Mourinho talk that was going round, but he he was never built for this club. The football he played, I do think Mourinho would have had the same fate as he as he has had if the fans were in there. Obviously, it took uh, a massive crowd boo against Man United to actually get the job done, even though there were a lot of Levy Art chants as well. So it was never going to work. He was he was always going to last maximum probably this season until somebody better came along. But I do feel for him. Obviously, you're not going to turn down a job like this from Wolves to Tottenham. Obviously, no disrespect to Wolves, but joining Tottenham is a bit higher than Wolves. Obviously, European football is the aim for Tottenham every season. Trophies as well, but you can't blame him for taking it, but you can understand why it's only lasted this long. Well, I'll stay with you, Ryan, because the tenure has been four months. Does that mean Enoch got it wrong, or were they in a corner where they had to appoint someone? Say, for example, they appointed Ryan Mason for a season. I think a lot of people would be up in arms. Now, does that mean that they took a punt because they had no one else left, and they thought, actually, Nuno's got PL experience, he can't be that bad, and... It wasn't the worst appointment, and if it did pay off, you'd think, actually, maybe this might be the new generation we were going somewhere. But when you look down the list, it's a very easy criticism to say, actually, where it was always going to be a non-starter. So is it that Enoch made the appointment with the best intentions with the circumstances they had, and then Nuno balls it up? I personally think that Enoch were left with no other choice. I think this is just to go on a long list of negatives for Enoch with this club. Obviously, we know how brilliant they've done on the outside uh, without playing the football. Obviously, the outside of the club, the stadium, the training ground, the global recognition of the actual club. But this was something that could have been avoided. They could have gone all out for a Ten Hag at Ajax if they'd paid the release clause. Obviously, we were in negotiations for a Pochettino return. I think they could have done a lot more with that. I think this appointment was rash, to say the least. I think it was something that had to be done. He was free. wouldn't cost any money to bring in to the club because he'd obviously just left Wolves. There were probably no other better managers, three that were willing to come to us at the time. So they had that problem. Obviously, Ryan Mason is... I just don't think they feel like he's experienced enough for that type of role. So, And you've seen, obviously, I won't class Ryan Mason as a club legend, as a youth product, but you've seen now with clubs bringing in players from the past, obviously Solskjaer at United now, Lampard at Chelsea, it can quickly turn and tarnish uh, former players' time at the club. But this, this Nuno appointment was always a sinking ship from the get-go. If he had had a positive Harry Kane, if he had a hungry Harry Kane, maybe he would have lasted longer now. Obviously, it's not on Harry Kane that he's been sacked. Of course, it's not. But a hungrier Harry Kane and a happier Harry Kane gets you a lot more points than you've got already. But he came into the club sinking with the Kane transfer saga. And like it's already been said already, the Deli Alley stuff where he's tried to bring him back in and reignite his career. He's given Harry Winks numerous chances. He's started Ben Davis over Regulon at the weekend for some reason. He's he's tried, but 
unfortunately, the biggest handicap for Nuno this season was the fans were back in. And the Tottenham fans will never be quiet. We'll always voice our opinions. And unfortunately for him, it's not worked out. So I do wish him best of luck wherever he goes next, but just not Tottenham. Now, Patrick, you mentioned about Enoch getting credit. I guess you're right in the sense that they should be praised to a certain degree because they have been quick enough to cut the cord early because it could have been a scenario where... Do you remember when David Moyes was manager of Manchester United that it got to like March and only when the board finally concluded that they weren't going to be in Europe the following season, they finally gave him the heave-ho. So they looked at it and thought, this is salvageable. But is it at the same time, it's kind of backhanded praise because they shouldn't have really made that appointment in the first place. Exactly that. So, you know, like, we could all... We all knew it was the wrong appointment in the summer. This is what this is what frustrates me. We all knew it was the wrong appointment. We could all see it from miles off. We all like Nuno. He's a good guy. We We appreciate what he's about. He's a decent man. He's done well with Wolves in his first season. Second season, they didn't really do that well. And if we're being honest, a lot of Wolves fans weren't that sad to lose him. I know he struggled in the sense that he lost Jimenez uh, with a head injury. Uh, they got rid of Jota, sold to Liverpool, sold Matt Doherty to Tottenham. So they lost three of their core players. So he was dealing with a lot. He handled himself well. We like him. He's an admirable and noble person. But when it comes to the job, he wasn't cut cut for it or you know it wasn't up to the task we could see that so it frustrates us that why didn't we just go for Conte in the summer give him the demands that he wanted or basically the tools that he needed so he could turn Tottenham around Conte knows the Premier League inside out he knows what Tottenham are about he knows what the rival teams are about and what we would need to do to challenge no one can doubt his credentials and the CV it speaks for itself give the guy what he wants and we would be already three or four months into the project now to come back in November to now give him the job. In a sense, I appreciate and I admire the fact that Levy is big enough this time around to say, you know what, I got it wrong. Let me act quick. We're only five points off the of fourth, couple points off Man United and West Ham. Sorry, West Ham are fourth. We're five points off them. We're two points off United and Arsenal. So it's definitely sal- salvageable at the moment. So I appreciate the fact that he acted fast. I've got to give him credit where it's due in that respect. But everything else he's got wrong. Like, horribly wrong and that's why we are where we are so you know if Conte does come in Conte is no mug he'll come in with um with aspirations obviously to build this team and push on so let's just hope that Levy now understands you know this is what we need to do going forward and we get it right um and you know we finish yeah I'm a bit excited so I don't want to ramble on too much but he's got it wrong let's hope this time he gets it right Yes, you are absolutely right, Patrick. We're five points behind West Ham. I do apologise, but I said two points earlier. I completely forgot West yeah, Ham. Five. Yeah. I completely forgot the Hammers won on Sunday, so don't flood my mentions, listeners. I know it's five, not two. <laughs> but anyway, let's move on, Chris, because the the booing was mentioned on Saturday. As Ryan says, we're not really ones to uh, suffer fools gladly. And when it gets nasty, it does get quite ugly, depending if it's the new or the old stadium. So were those boos not just the fact that we were getting pummeled on Saturday and the substitution was a bit questionable at the very least. Is that more symptomatic of the whole scenario, the frustration with Enoch and Nuno's almost the full guy and all of that? Because yes, you can sort of chant Levy out, but Levy's not coming down to the touchline and making a substitution, is he? So does the buck stop with the manager in that situation? I think the booing was just a culmination of almost two, three years of just 
utter frustration with the direction of the club and, and how it's been run and, and how the football side of things has been managed. Because, you know, you, when we look back over the last few years, it just seems to have been wrong turn after wrong turn, really. And I think the boos were obviously directed at, you know, the decisions that Nuno was making in regards to that crazy substitution. Um, the team selection as well. I think people were already frustrated by the fact that he just decided to drop um, Regulon for Davies and Ndombele for Lo Celso, which, you, you know, you could say that was the kind of final nail in the coffin for him. Um, but I think the boos and the, the Levy out chance really were, yeah, just, just general frustration from fans that really want to see the club you know, get back to that previous level and, and kick on to become what we were promised when this new stadium was opened. You know, we were going to be competing at the, the top end of the table. We were going to be in the Champions League. We were going to be, uh, you know, bringing in top talent from Europe. And I, I know we've, we have spent money. We've just spent it seemingly quite poorly. You know, the recruitment side of things is a whole nother kettle of fish. But the, the booing, really, yeah, I think it was just fans saying that this was enough. And, and to not register a shot on target for the whole game, that's just not Tottenham. You know, that's not what we want to see as fans. That's just not the way we should be playing football in that stadium. We should be taking the fight to teams, not, you know, not waiting to just be knocked away and, and, not, and picked apart on, you know, on the break. It was just very, very deflating. And I think, I, I didn't think Nuno would, I didn't think Nuno would get sacked sort of Monday morning after that result. I don't know why. I just had a feeling we were going to kind of meander on through to the international break and, and he would survive just because, you know, Levy's made this decision and we're just going to have to stick with it and suck it up until it gets to a point where it really is untenable for him and he just has to go. I didn't think personally we were quite at that point yet. Um, but like Patrick said, fair, I mean, fair play. Where credit where it's due, he has pulled the trigger. I do think the booze and the the you know the crowd uh, disruption did play a part of it. So I guess we owe the crowd on that day a bit of a thank you for for kind of relieving Nuno of, the, of his job because it just wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't it wasn't the Tottenham we want to see, and it was just a, I think the booing was just a culmination of so many factors over the last few years, really. Well, Chris, I'll stay with you because this ruthlessness is something you see across London, the blue part of. West London, that is. When Roman Abramovich mm. falls out of the manager, there's no sentiment at all. He is gone. You know, if a bad result happens on Saturday, he'll be off on Monday. So that is also matched with perhaps a boom and bust cycle in terms of trophies. They have a, an off-season from time to time, but then they win big. If Tottenham's revolving door keeps revolving and managers come in every two, three years, but trophies are there to match, would you be bothered if managers change so quickly? Or are you more of uh, somebody who wants stability, projects, so on and so forth. What's your take on how quickly we should be chopping managers? That is, that's a tough one. I mean, as a Spurs fan, I'm absolutely desperate for trophies. I, I don't know if that's just me, but obviously we're, we are desperate to win something. So to have a period where we do, you know, become this kind of cutthroat, it's not working, let's cut our losses, pay the guy off and move on to the next next one to get some success... Maybe that is the way forward for us. I know Levy won't like that in terms of financially because it costs him a lot more to get rid of these people halfway through their, their deals. Um, but, I mean, originally, you know, when Potter was in charge, I would have said I prefer the whole project thing. I prefer a manager to come in and kind of assess the squad, identify the weaknesses, you know, select those 
those talented youth players that he can kind of bring in and, and really build a kind of a team that we can all get behind because we love a homegrown talent. We love seeing one of our own out there smashing it and, and you know, bringing home three points or a hat-trick, whatever it might be. And we, we I feel like we've been waiting for that to lead to success and lead to trophies. And for very, you know, for, for many reasons, it, it hasn't happened, you know, however you want to point the finger at. So maybe a change of tack is the way forward. Maybe we do have to look at what other clubs are doing in this situation and say that, you know, if it's not working, that's it. Your time is up. We're going to bring someone else who we think can do the job. Paratici is obviously that stopgap now between the manager and Levy. And I'm confident that he had some say in Nuno going. Um, you know, we believe that, as we're told, that he, it was, it was Paratici's uh, choice in the first place considering how many candidates were in front of them. Um, I find that hard to believe. But I think I would I would prefer a project if there was a guarantee of success, but there's no guarantees in football. So I think let's look at potentially the alternatives. Well, I guess if you go down the route of an ever-evolving door, you either are Chelsea, where it's regular changes but a lot of trophies, or you're Watford, where you're changing managers and perhaps getting relegated. I know it's kind of two extremes, and we're probably not going to be ever as bad as Watford, but it's all very well chopping and changing, but if you're not backing up with the trophies, you can't really justify so many changes at the same time. But, Ryan, in terms of the change that's been made, a lot of it come down to stats, and bad reading of stats, in terms of where we were in metrics for, well, pretty much everything. Patrick alludes to 90 minutes of not a shot on target. We've had plenty of times where we've had a whole half without a shot on target as well. They're awful statistics. They're not Tottenham statistics. They're not even football statistics, really. So is it fair to say that the players didn't take to the coaching methods? I don't think you could say they downed tools because really they didn't even pick up the tools in the first place. Or is this all on Nuno? Or do the players have to shoulder some blame here? Uh, it's, uh, in my opinion, it is definitely on both. I think, like you say, I, I think the players didn't even bother looking at the tools, never mind pick them up or drop them. They didn't even look at them. Didn't even unclip the toolbox, to be honest, especially, like you say, the likes of Kane and whatnot. The, I think last season, obviously, the football was very similar on the Mourinho. The only difference was you had a serial winner in the changing room with you. You trusted him. You believed that he could bring trophies to your career as a footballer. Nuno, obviously, he's, he's got Wolves back in the Premier League. He's made them a steady Premier League side. I've kept them up the first season, like Patrick alluded to earlier. Obviously, his second season wasn't great. But he's not somebody that the players are going to look at and it's not going to fill them with belief that we're moving somewhere now. We're actually bringing in a world-class manager who's got the... CV that you want to see, the CV full of trophies, CV like it's, it's it, Nuno is not that manager. So to begin with, he's not going to fill the players with confidence, with belief. He's not like say not like Mourinho or anybody like that. But he's uh, the players are definitely to blame. Obviously, this is the third manager that Pochettino got sacked. Obviously, the players didn't play for him towards the end. Mourinho got the sack because the players, in the end, didn't perform. 
and Nanu know it's not just Tottenham, it's every football club, every football side. If you do not, if the players do not, res- uh, not really respect, if you do not like the manager's way of playing football, if you don't admire his tactics, if you don't appreciate what he's trying to do, then most players in a squad will stop. I think we've got the odd few of Hoiberg, Skip, and I'd probably say on performance, obviously Romero's not been there long enough, but Regulon, I'd say as well, they will fight for 90 minutes, regardless of the manager. But a lot of them who do not dive straight into his his method of thought or his process on the football pitch, they will quickly turn on a manager. They're not bothered. They're still getting paid their weekly wage. They know a new manager is going to come in at some point. So I just hope now who the next manager gets the players on board, gets that Pochettino level of belief. Because although we didn't win anything under Pochettino, the players, you could clearly see from... Dembele to Ericsson to Kane to Loris. The players believed in what Pochettino was doing, believed in the tactics, believed in everything that they were told before the game at half time, after the game, training ground. That seems like that's the type of squad we've got. They've got to immediately believe in what they are being taught, what they're being told the way they've got to play, the teams they've got to play. So hopefully they can do that for this next manager. Okay, I was going to focus a little bit on the actual game on Saturday, but in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter, does it? Because the outcome has led to a sacking of a manager and what happened on the pitch is so forgettable, it's kind of irrelevant to dredge it up. But let's now look ahead to the future because Nuno's in the past and that means a new manager has to be named at some point and hopefully it won't be as painful as the summer. Patrick, at the time of recording, it's very, very close to being Antonio Conte. It's not over the line, but does this mean we're finally going to get the man at the second time of asking? Oh, please, God. I'm on my knees right now. <laughs> yeah, looking up at the sky, doing the sign of the cross. Like, honestly, I'll go to... I haven't been church in about two years. I'll go to church Get tonight. to church, Patrick. Get to yeah, church. Yeah, I know. Let's, let's do it, man. Please. Like, honestly, if we get Conte in, a serial winner, like I said, he knows the Prem inside out. He knows what it takes to win. He's done it in numerous leagues. He's turned average players into world beaters, i.e. bringing Victor Moses in. He wasn't even considered a wing-back. Put him into that Chelsea system and you saw what they did. I mean, he's won trophies everywhere he goes and you just know that he's not going to take no shit. So, fringe... Well, Delhi Ali's not even a fringe player, but players like Delhi, who is on the cusp of either getting kicked out or could possibly, if he hits some sort of form, you know, go back to the old Delhi. Players like that, Conte will, you know, will figure out exactly where Delhi is uh, straight away. The same with Harry Winks. The same with all these guys that are just literally, just you know, plateauing and really just stealing the wage at the moment. Conte will sort out whether they're in or out. He'll bring players in that he wants. And obviously, you know, we know he's not a long-term project type of manager, but he is the real deal. He's the finished article and he'll come in right now and want to win things. He is essentially like a, a Jose Mourinho in his pomp where he's not coming to mess about. He's coming to compete. You know, the league is stacked already. You've got Klopp, Tuchel and Guardiola. You can put Conte up there with the best of them. And obviously, he will definitely get more of a tune out of this squad. Hence why we all wanted them in in the summer. So we're a bit annoyed that it's taken three or four months. But if we do get him in, oh my God, like I'm going to be over the moon, honestly. 
right, Patrick, you're off to church for the rest of the show. But Chris, if that, is, <laughs> if that is to be the case, we get Conte in. What has changed in this round of negotiation to the last? Is it as simple as a bigger bag of money for the Italian? Yes. There you go. That's the simple answer, isn't it? <laughs> well, I also think that uh, Levy has realised the error of his ways in the sense that he should have hired Conte when he had the opportunity. We had a conversation with him. We're, you know, we're led to believe that it was close in the summer. We're led to believe that we had, you know. We were arguing over staff numbers and things like that. Little things that, you know, for me, I don't consider that deal breakers. But here we are. And and, and to go from being that close to Conte in the summer to then hiring someone like Nuno, who, you know, I respect Nuno for what he's achieved, but he's not on the same level as Conte. It was, it was kind of heartbreaking in a way because we all had that moment like with the moment we're having now where it feels as if it's really close and we're thinking, Oh God, what, you know, what will Conte do to this team? How are we going to line up? All these players are going to get new opportunities to perform and, and, you know, we're going to be refreshed. Everyone's going to be buzzing. And we had that four months ago and, you know, it was there. There was no reason really not to do it then, but Levy thought he knew better as he has done over many years. He thought that we could do it on the cheap and try sort of Jose Mourinho light and get away with it. And it has, it has backfired. So here we are 10 games into the season. We obviously are going back with a very juicy contract for Conte. If you, if you've seen the reports, it's, I think it's one of our most expensive managers ever, if not our most expensive manager ever. So Levy is putting his money where his mouth is in that sense. So we need to see now how Conte is going to set us up if if he comes through the door. And uh, the big question is as well, is he going to be backed? Because we know that he is going to come in, he's going to like who he likes, he's not going to like who he doesn't like, and they're probably going to be moved on. And he's going to want four or five new signings to, to really get us back to where we want to be. And it's up to Levy and Paratici to, to fund that. Well, Ryan, let's be honest, it looks like Spurs have somehow found a bit more money down the sofa. Like, oh, actually, here's a few more million that we didn't have in the in the summer. But does this not go back to more frustration from fans and Enoch? Because you kind of look at this and thinking, why did you not just stump up the money four months ago and all of this chat becomes irrelevant because we're off to a flying start to the season and knocking on the door of the top three or the top four? Is this always the case? It always goes back to Enoch? Yeah, massively, obviously. Like uh, Patrick said earlier it's very frustrating that it seems to have now happened like it did with obviously the exchange between Pochettino and Mourinho we've sacked Nuno and obviously reports today that Conte is he's in London now all he's got to do is sign the dotted line in the morning and he'll be there in the dugout for Thursday for the conference league game so if it was this simple now it should have been a lot easier in the summer because we had more time to deal with it. We had more time to consider his demands or what he wanted, things like that. A manager of Conte's stature comes with demands. He comes with certain obligations that he wants in the club. And if you want to move this club forward, that's the manager that you want. Because uh, I said it on... Twitter earlier, I think, I do believe that under Conte, obviously, fingers crossed that it goes through, because I don't know what, I, I would not advise anyone to speak to me 
personal life tomorrow if it does not go through <laughs> somehow. But if we do get him, I do think that we'll all see a complete, we'll see a new side, Tottenham Hotspur. Obviously, when we had Mourinho, he, you seen it on the All or Nothing documentary, he wanted us to be nasty, so-and-sos. I think under Conte, I think that's just drilled into the players in training. I think the way he works them, the demands he's got, he will know within the first training session who is worth keeping at this club and who is worth moving on in January. And what's best for us as fans, what's best for the club and for himself now is that Paratici is the man in the middle. Every other manager has had to go straight to Daniel Levy with their demands, with what they want, the players they want in, the players they want out. Now he's got a familiar face due to his Juventus time who he can go to and say, look, I want this, I want him. It's best to sell him, put him out on loan to get some more experience. He can go to Paratici with them who clearly has a lot of pull at the club. He's the one who released a statement after Nuno sacking. He's the one who apparently decided on Nuno. So it does look like Daniel Levy is trusting Paratici and believes in what Paratici wants for the club. So it looks like he is somewhat taking a backward step. He's probably concentrating more on the commercial side of the club, letting Paratici deal with it. Obviously, he's got to go to Levy, obviously, with his requests. But if you get an Antonio Conte in, it, it can completely change this season. It could have been a brilliant season at the start if we'd actually got him in and given him the summer to do what he wanted. But we've just got to go with it now. It's happened. Got to roll with it. And this could completely change the way we finish this season. Well, fingers crossed it turbocharges our season because we kind of need that, don't we, Patrick? And as Ryan alludes to the whole transfer and ins and outs and all that kind of stuff. Is this where Don Fabio comes into play properly? Because I know a lot of people say he's cooking, but if you look at his charge sheet over the summer, he's kind of simmering, really, isn't he? So is this where he kicks on a level? Oh, you'd hope so. The fact that these two have history and they've worked together before, that does fill me with some confidence. Uh, They should be singing on the same hymn sheet. I would imagine and envisage their attack Syria and go for players that they know. Uh, players that they, you know, they've seen week in and week out and are comfortable working with. Bring those guys in. Hopefully, those guys will have this, like Ryan was alluding to, have that DNA and that that fire and that hunger that Conte demands. I mean, we've all seen the interview that he did with um, Thierry Henry, where he's like, you know, I'll kill someone if they don't want to work for me. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he, he doesn't take no shit, and that's what we need right now. You know, Nuno, like we're all saying, he's a nice guy. We 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 admire him. We understand and appreciate what he's done. But he wasn't the right fit for where we are right now with this Tottenham team. You know, we're trying to squeeze the juice and the life out of the squad. That's, you know, almost, you know, trying to get the most out of it. But we also need to inject it with some new players. The thing is, like, if you take a step back, this team is actually a decent team. There's some good players throughout the team. It's just that we've just unfortunately been paired with the wrong manager who doesn't fit the, the, the identity of the squad or the team, doesn't fit what we're trying to do. Nuno, I mean, no shots on target in a couple of games. Defensively, we're not solid. So there was no real game plan. With the right manager in, you know, uh, at the helm, uh, 
the right system, players play in a, uh, a formation that suits them and they understand what their roles are. Because I've seen Harry Kane, Hongmin Son, Ndombele, Lacelso, they're all looking lost out there. They don't really know what they're meant to do. So with a manager that will actually tell them what they need to do, where they need to be, and obviously allow them to go out and express themselves, we will, like you said, um, uh, Dan, see hopefully a ch- turbo charge, get some points on the board. It's a very tight uh, league at the moment. That it's still all to play for. Um, you know, everyone's going on about how Arsenal turned the corner, how good they look, right, right, right. they're only two points ahead of us. Uh, there's still so much to play for, but it needs to happen now. No more excuses. Now, Chris, if we do get Conte over the line, as all hoped, he'll want change, he'll want it quickly. He can only have it as quickly as January, but that's going to be quick enough for him. From your point of view, is the season salvageable from a top six slash cup perspective? Do you think this will finally accelerate us through this transition period, in inverted commas, that we keep talking about for years? Is this going to push us through that glass ceiling? Uh, I think it will absolutely galvanise us. I think the top four race is very much on if we want it. I think that you could you could say that there isn't really a player in the team at the moment that is performing to an acceptable level. Uh, and if they are, it's one game out of three. You know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm being just dismissive and ruthless, but when you know when we look back at these players and, and how they have performed. In, in previous seasons under different managers, whether it was, you know, the, the good games under Mourinho or, you know, the better times under Poch, the players that are still here from that era, the, the levels are just not anywhere near that at the moment. And and I, I feel as though it's, it's just a confidence thing for a lot of them. They've, they've played poorly in, you know, in poor teams for so long that they've almost forgotten the kind of basics and 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 what they were what they were known for and Deli Ali kind of sums that up. He's he's he almost has lost the ability to do the simplest things. You know, retain possession under pressure, or you know, or try you know try and move the game forward or break beyond Kane or whatever it might be. He just doesn't seem to have the confidence to do that. And I think you can kind of label that for each each player. There's times where you look at them and go, okay, well, you know, at least he's doing this or at least he's doing that. But that should be the kind of standard. That should be the bread and butter. We want to see them going above and beyond and doing things where we go, oh, well, you know, wow, bloody hell, this guy is performing to such a good level. He's so consistent. And we want that throughout the team. I think the, the one player that we have brought in that has done that so far is Romero. Every time I've seen him and every time I've, I've watched him, he stands out from the crowd because he's, he's amazing. He's great. And we want everyone else to be like that, and it and it kind of you kind of start questioning yourself. You know, is it? Am I not judging the player right? Am I seeing? Am I not seeing something that other people are seeing? Is it? Is it a team thing? Is it an individual thing? So, in terms of you know, if Conte does come in, he's going to give the team, I think, a lot more structure with and without the ball. If we do go to the back three sort of slash five system, I think we're going to see patterns of play inviting teams on to us and trying to break quickly with, with, you know, quick passing, that kind of thing that he's known for. It's going to, hopefully it's going to instill some confidence in the team because they'll have an understanding of how we're expected to play and how we're expected to score goals, how we're expected to have shots on target. Um, and, and that should hopefully lift the spirit in the squad, give each individual player a bit of a boost. And yeah, hopefully I'd like to say we can still win the Conference League. I don't think that's out of reach. We are quite clearly one of the better teams in there. Um, with regards to top four, um, I'd probably say 
it's more about consistency for me on that one. Um, I think we can do it on certain days against certain opposition, but when we come up against the other big sides, as we've seen recently, you know, some of that blame falls on Nuno, but we've massively underperformed. So we'll have to wait and see. I think New, I, th- I think Conte, sorry, if he does come in, is going to want reinforcements in January. Um, a playmaker, I feel, is 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 absolutely critical because we are we are starving for assists. We're starving for a set piece taker um, where goals come from. You know, two or three goals a season can easily come from direct free kicks or you know better crosses in. I think we're gonna he's gonna need to take stock of what he's got and what we need. And depending on how we act in January, whether we back him or not, we'll you know spell out the rest of the season and we'll have to see where we where we land. Ryan, I'm going to put two and two together to get five in the transfer mill, but Conte could be coming to Tottenham. I know Christian Eriksen can't play in Serie A this season due to his medical condition. I don't know if he'd be clear to play in the Premier League, but if he was, would you take him back at Tottenham? Uh, on, on loan. Let's say on loan, perhaps, for the end of the season. On loan, I would... Obviously, uh, as, as much as we say we're not, as Tottenham fans are a sentimental bunch, obviously... We've had Sheringham's back. We've had Bale's back. I'd, I would love, whether it, even even if it's not with us, I would love just to see Christian Eriksen back in football. I'd love to see him play again. And yeah, I would. But if Conte comes over the line, I, I can't remember him using Eriksen that much himself. I don't think that was somebody that he was keen on himself. Yeah, it's a fair point. So, as a Tottenham fan... And as a man who enjoyed Christian Eriksen's football and the way he played, I would love to see him back in football as long as it was safe and his health wasn't at risk. I would love to see him back. I would much rather, obviously, if if he was advised to retire, obviously the best thing for him to do is retire for his health, his family life and everything like that. It's much more important than football. But... I think Conte is going to have his own vision of coming in. I do believe, I don't know why I believe it, but I do believe that this might trigger Levy's spending. I think I've read from quite a few uh, sources today, not the usual in the nose that you get on Twitter, like uh, uh, the bloke who works at KFC and people like that, but some higher up. Sources, uh, he's been given 100 million to spend in January. Which, obviously, if he's been offered that at contract talks, he'll take that all day. Because, like you said, he will go straight to the uh, Italian league, Serie A. He will raid who he can. I've read Brozovic from Inter Milan, uh, the Fiorentina striker who we were linked with so much in the summer. He wants him in as well. So, he will have his ideas of who he wants he's probably had these for quite a while obviously being out of management already but he will bring in a midfielder I think if he plays a formation for us that he did with Inter obviously I think he does like the five at the back the two wing backs but he does like that midfielder breaking forward so I do feel like he will spend some of that money on an attacking midfielder who's got the vision, who's who's got the eye to play the balls to Son, to Kane up front. That'll probably be his front two. 
But that that and a central defender will probably be his main targets in the summer because Ndombele, as much as I rate him for his technical ability, he he himself will have a lot to prove to Conte with fitness, with stamina. He'll be one that he's really looking at in training because if memory serves me correct, he was extremely interested in him when he was the Inter Milan manager. So he will take a keen eye on Ndombele. Hopefully he can get through that, but I don't see him as that number 10 role, the the playmaker of the side. So he will bring somebody in that he prefers, but we do definitely need reinforcements in January. Like I said, we could... Top four is wide open at the minute. West Ham have still yet to hit that sticky patch. They've still got European football and they play Thursdays, Sundays. They will at some point hit that patch of injuries or tiredness, fatigue, things like that. So there is a massive chance. So I do. I would love for us to get a Christian Eriksen-esque player, but... As long-winded as this answer has been, I don't see him coming back now. <laughs> okay, that's absolutely fine. Patrick, in terms of Tottenham's stature, is it still rather high in the sense that our last, what was it, four Maggio appointments have been Pochettino, although that was starting at Southampton, but he's a big name now. Mourinho, let's forget Nuno, could be Conte. That's still sort of saying that Tottenham are some form of powerhouse, or are we just chucking a lot of money at this problem? No, I, I believe that we are a big club. I know people try and banter us for not winning any trophies in recent years, but we're the eighth richest club in the world. We're definitely one of the bigger names in Europe. Uh, our coefficiency points uh, show you that we're you know, still one of the best or higher rated clubs in um, in Europe. Obviously part of the top six, the established top six, what they call the Premier League. The fact that we're invited into the Super League, I mean, the list is endless. Um, we've got quality throughout the squad. I do believe that Tottenham are a big club. Um, we need a trophy to shut up a lot of the naysayers and people that throw that out. I mean, you get fans from like Hull and Newcastle bantering us about trophies and like, hold on, when did you last <laughs> win a trophy? So it's just, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Like Tottenham is still one of the biggest clubs. The fact that people can throw that at us really frustrates me, but at the same time, we've only got ourselves to blame. But um, you're right, Dan, the fact that we can attract these massive names and managers, they're not silly. They're not going to go to a club where they don't believe they can turn things around or win stuff because it's also their their name is on the line. Their CV also gets blemished. Like Jose Mourinho coming and not winning a trophy at Spurs. You can imagine how pissed off he must have been, especially getting sacked, you know, a week before the cup, the Carabao Cup final. He could have turned it around and won us that trophy. But, you know, if Conte does come in, another world-class manager, somebody who, if we're all being honest, could go anywhere, uh, you know, in terms of when a managerial spot is vacant, most clubs would go for him if, um, you know, they can meet his demands and blah, blah, blah. So if we can get him in, it does show that Tottenham is still an attractive proposition. But it's just whether Daniel Levy will relinquish some of his rights, some of his power. You know, he's a, we all know how, how he works. If he can just chill out a bit, let Paratici be that link, uh, like, um, like we've been talking about on here, then, um, yeah, the sky's the limit. We just don't know where it can go. But... You know, I, I I have my reservations because we have been down this road before. You know, when we brought Jose in, we were saying the same things. I know Jose wasn't as hot as Conte is, but we said the same things back then. So, you know, we've got to chill out a bit, but it is very exciting. 
Now, Chris, in terms of Conte, there's no doubt he's a born winner. You only have to look at his accolades in his managerial career to see what he's done in the past. The question is, Tottenham need to match his ambition. Can they match his ambition, I should say? That being in the short to medium term, are you concerned by the reports that the contract could end as early as 2023? That's quite an easy get-out. Or at the same time, does that suit all parties in case things don't go to plan? Um, yeah, I think I feel like it does kind of suit all parties. I think we know that Conte isn't a project manager. He's someone that comes in to win, as you said. He, he needs backing. He, he will want to bring in his own players. He'll want a squad in his own image. He'll, he'll want the fight and, and the desire to win, which you know you can argue we definitely don't have. So I think that kind of length of contract. I feel like the ghost of Poch is still lurking over that kind of length of contract as well. He's he's there in the background. We seem to do everything with Poch's contract expiry date in mind. Um, the Nuno deal was similar length. I think it was going to come to completion when Poch's PSG contract expires. And I think it's the same again with this one, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, it feels like a mutually beneficial deal for all parties. Conte's getting a lot of money. We're getting a really, really top quality manager. And we'll review it in 18 months, I guess. Well, I guess, Ryan, the hope and the expectation is that it's not just 18 months of the case of, well, thanks for everything. Because is there not a danger where Conte comes in, spends loads of money, 18 months down the line, we're looking for another manager. We went back earlier and spoke about chopping and changing with regularity if it wins you trophies. Is the hope at least that if Conte takes the role, he puts the team in a much stronger position and the next man can sort of, I guess, be a top four club again and kind of reap the benefits of what Conte laid in terms of groundwork? Yeah, I mean, it's exactly just what, like Chris said, we are. We seem to be hiring managers at the minute with the contract length of Pochettino. His, obviously, he was heavily linked in the summer. It is clear that we do want him to return. So I do feel like we are filling the void until he can return. But with Conte, I do, honestly, I, I know this sounds strange and I am putting my head on the line for this, but I do actually believe if Conte gets in, if we get over the line with Conte and we get the reinforcements that we want in January, I do feel like we could win the Conference League and one of the domestic cups, be that the Carabao or FA Cup. I do think he will break our duck this season if he comes in. It's whether he gets the backing. I don't want him to be promised like Mourinho that he'll get money and he was just told that to be signed. But a man on that much money, 18-month contract, I think leaving now is desperate. He's... He's feel I think I I think Levy and Enoch are feeling the heat right now, and they feel like they've got to get somebody in. They've got to spend the money to actually get some silverware into the club before it gets more toxic. But if Conte does bring us two, three trophies, maybe even one, and at the end of the 18 months, he feels like, you know what, I'm actually enjoying it here. Paratici's still here. I've not been lied to since I've been here. I've asked for a player that I've got. The squad's doing well. I feel like we can challenge. 
I do feel like he will probably have that year's extension in his contract. So I feel I personally think that he will probably be at the club for at least three years. But if he's not, then like I say, he is somebody that can hopefully come in, shake the board up, get them to open the wallet a bit, let the moths out, let the spiders crawl out, spend a bit of that money, build the squad to where he feels like it is capable of challenging. And then if he moves on, somebody can come straight in who might want to tweak a couple of things that Conte's done. So obviously every manager is not the same. They do have different ideas, different philosophies. But this is our chance now. This is Tottenham Hotspur's chance. This is Daniel Levy's chance, Enoch's chance to actually build something with a world-class manager that either leaves us in a better position for somebody else to come in, take the reins after Conte and push it even further along. Or, it, like you say, it could end up in disaster and come February, let's say, Daniel Levy has broke every promise he made in the contract talks and he walks. But we've had this situation before of Champions League final, runners-up in the league, pushing in January. We've got a great chance of the title in January under Pochettino. All you need is them extra couple of players in the squad to push you forward, get you across the line, and we've never delivered on those expectations and that's not just the fans expectations that is the manager at the time so my, I pray to God that Conte is there to shape the system and just just build for a better future we're not a rubbish club we're not we ain't got a rubbish team some of the players we've got I mean you look at Loris is uh, captain of his national side Son's captain of his national side Kane He's a captain of England. Uh, Hoiberg is a massive part of the Danish side. We've got big, strong players with huge characters in this squad. We just need somebody now to bring them out in the Premier League, in domestic tournaments, and actually get this squad to where it should be. Well, if he can get a tune out of Lacelso, I'll never say a bad word against him. But Patrick, to finish... Doesn't football move in mysterious ways? Because if we beat Man United, I don't think this happens at all. If anything, Conte edges closer to Old Trafford. We kind of touched on the fact that Levy's desperate and Conte could probably wait and say, actually, that Man United job is a bit more appealing. They're in the, the race of the top four much more closer to what we are. However, he's probably spelt the money and thought, actually, yes, I can really sort of make this project my own. So in a converse or perverse roundabout way, that defeat might have been the best thing to happen to us across the course of this season. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, it was dubbed El Sakiko for a reason. And it looks like even though we lost that battle, we may have won the war. Because if we get in Conte, I would happily take that 3-0 battle in at home to Man United if Conte comes in and obviously can spearhead our season and push us on. Of course, no one wants to lose. No one wants to be embarrassed at home. And we wanted Nuno to do well. But come on, let's be real. There's no comparison between a Nuno and a Conte and what Nuno can do for the club and what Conte can do for the club. So um, Conte will instil belief 
and our desire and hunger in people such as Harry Kane. And if Harry Kane doesn't buy into the project, for example, I'll name Harry Kane. I can name a number of players. Endombele, people that have come out and said that possibly, you know, their future lies elsewhere. Conte will tell them to F off and we go again with players that want to come in and play for Conte. And obviously Conte is such a big name, such a big character, a proven winner. Players will want to come to Tottenham again. I say again, of course they want to come to Spurs, but he, he has a bigger pool. And then we can actually go out and, um, yeah, and do what we need to do and hopefully put the club where it needs to be. So losing losing the game is never good. Losing in the manner that we did is never good. But if the silver lining is that Conte comes in and really turns our season around, I'm sure most fans will be happy. And I've seen United fans all over Twitter. They're pissed all over social media because they're like, this could have been us if we would have lost the game. So they're essentially like, was that what were those three points even worth it? So, you know, you just it football's such a weird topsy turvy thing. Um and I'm sure ninety nine percent of fans, if they're being honest and you ask them, take the take take the three points or lose the game and bring in Conte, I'm sure most would probably behind closed doors agree that, you know, take the L and I'll get Conte in. Yeah, because all it would have been is a short term fix, isn't it? You beat or well, you win on Saturday, but you've got a manager who's in the frame for the sack further down the line and you never really fix the problem. We've been ruthless and it might just pay off. But that's why we love football because it is so strange and we've hit full time. I really, really hope next week me and Patrick and others are chatting about Conte at the club. It's not over the line yet, but I really, really hope it is by the time you press play on this podcast if you're listening. So the admin is some prayers for Conte, Patrick. That's your bit. But I also need to thank my Podscore members this week for a fantastic discussion about managers new and old. Ryan, thanks for your time this evening. I hope you enjoyed that one. Yeah, that was brilliant. Thank you for having me on again. And obviously, there's nothing better than working with uh, the big man, Patrick, on any podcast. Oh, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, mate. Well, we can't forget Chris for his efforts either. Chris, thanks for your time this evening. Your first run out of the season. I hope it won't be the last. Yeah, me neither. Always good to chat Spurs. And hopefully, yeah, this is the start of an exciting time for us. Absolutely. And Patrick, of course, I can't forget you. Thanks for wearing that captain's armband this evening. I hope you enjoyed that one also. I loved it. It was a pleasure being on with Chris and obviously my main man, Ryan. Always fun when I work with Ryan and obviously yourself, Dan. So yeah, great, great times. Hopefully, uh, fingers crossed. Like you said, I'll be in church all week. And um, yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's do it, man. Fantastic. With that said, it just leads me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And until next time, come on you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.